0: I thought for so long that I could communicate exactly who I was online to everyone and be like, this is me. This is my my true self. And now what I've realized into my 30s is like no one will ever see the true you on the Internet. It's actually impossible. It's so 2D and it's so it's so much of a snippet. And even if you live streamed your whole life, which I would never do, you're still not seeing the whole picture. And so I think I'm making peace with the fact that if I misunderstood or if people feel like they they know me but they don't or they take things the wrong way i think i'm making peace with just what the internet what the internet is which is essentially a tool to show whatever you want to show and so we're in this digital world that's not really 100% truthful and so it's really encouraged me to get offline more my friendships have never been stronger i have never felt more a sense of who i am and so i'm just trying to make peace with like this internet career that i love and also who i really am which is the person offline as well.
1: You're listening to the Alonement podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, At the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. It goes without saying that I'm ever grateful to the people who come on this podcast for dedicating their time and sharing their wisdom But when it comes to this week's guest, author and fellow podcaster, Emma Gannon, that gratitude goes a little bit further. Let me explain. Emma is one of the big reasons that I got into podcasting in the first place. Her own show, Control Out Delete, which she started in 2016, was one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to. Now a prolific author of both fiction and nonfiction. Emma is a true career inspiration, as well as an example of a varied, creative life well-lived. Earlier this year, she published her latest book, Disconnected, How to Stay Human in an Online World, a practical guide to finding connection and community both online and off. As someone whose online brand is so established, she was once described as Miss Internet, by Emma Barnett on Women's Hour. Emma is a true authority on how to approach our internet age in a more rewarding way. And I love the suggestion in her book, Disconnected, that true connection begins not with other people, but with a deeper, fundamental connection to ourselves first. Before we get to our conversation, I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsors, Flashpack. Flashpack is a travel company for solo travellers, providing boutique group adventures all around the world, from staying on a secret island in the Arctic to glamping on the Serengeti. Its adventures are targeted specifically for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, so if you feel like you've slightly moved on from staying in hostels with gap year students on your solo trips away, then this is the holiday for you. Much like Alonement, Flashpack is a community built around the power of going solo and their trips are an opportunity to meet like-minded people who share the same independent outlook as you. They're on a mission to create one million meaningful friendships across the world through the power of adventure. And it sounds like it's working. 80% of Flashpackers stay in touch after returning from their trips. If this sounds good to you, head to flashpack.com slash alonement, where you'll find an exclusive offer code for all Alonement podcast listeners, giving you a £100 off your dream adventure. Emma Gannon, I'm so honoured to have you on. I think you're the first podcast I ever listened to actually so it's such an honor to have you on this show.
0: Oh that's so nice to hear I love your podcast and everything you do so yeah really good to talk to you.
1: To start with why not let's do the question that brings this whole show together what does alone time mean to you?
0: I love this question and I think for me alone time means something by choice. So I think a phrase that comes out of my mouth quite often is like, can you leave me alone? (laughs) Or I'm going to have some alone time now. And it's something that I have to tell my friends and family and now my husband that it's just something I really need. And it's not a reflection on anyone else. It's not that I don't want to spend time with them or I don't want to be around them. But alone time is like a ring fenced boundary of time that I need for myself. So I would say it was, you know, it's the opposite of lonely. I, I don't feel lonely at all when I'm alone if that makes sense
1: have you ever felt lonely when you're alone
0: I go through phases and I don't know if you have this but I need to really check in with myself before I go on a solo trip that I'm okay and sometimes it coincides with a bit of a weird anxious spell and I find myself alone in a hotel room and I'm not feeling like I want to be alone in that time but actually then it's almost a challenge to be by myself like be nice to myself and lean into that discomfort so yeah I've definitely ended up on solo trips for work where I've been like oh I want to be at home and I want to be with my family or whatever but I think I can push through that now and just see it as um interesting that I am feeling that way
2: yeah
3: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: I mean, to begin with, I really like the idea of looking at an uncomfortable emotion and thinking... interesting not sort of you know run away from it at full pelt Uh, I think I had um I had Dr. Julie Smith on earlier in this series and she was saying a similar thing you know it's about having that curiosity and examining which I guess is at the heart of a lot of what we do I really resonate as well with that idea of before a solo holiday having to check in I think I used to pre pandemic be very much like, okay, any solo travel I can do as much as I can get, that's great. But now I think we've all it's it's that sense of almost recalibrating and making sure that it's the alone time that can feel I don't know it can feel like the right counterbalance to everything else you're experiencing. And I think that it does need to be maybe at the end of a more sociable period or within a framework of greater connectivity
0: that really speaks to me. And I think it is about looking at your schedule and picking and choosing what works for you. Some people don't have the choice to be on their own. So I am aware that I'm lucky that I can pick and choose because I live with someone and I have friends that live nearby. And then I can also choose to go on holiday by myself. Like to me, that does feel lucky because I can move like the chess pieces around whenever I want to. But you know, there's no shame as well in admitting that like you're not in the right frame of mind to go on a solo trip. For example, I actually booked to go away to Spain for a week by myself in a few weeks time. And I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling like I want to be on my own. Actually, at the moment, I've just had COVID. I've been feeling a bit weird and anxious and getting back into the world again. And so actually, I think going away for a week by myself isn't right for now. But then there's been times in the past where I'm literally like high on life that I'm on my own and it's all I want is to be by myself. So I don't know. I think it's like checking in with yourself, like I said.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's nice to know that these things they don't have to be aspirational in and of themselves, and things that we always have to want to do. I think that's a really, I don't know, just a really useful perspective. And on the idea of connectivity and you know the subject of your book, uh, disconnected. Uh, I just wanted to begin the discussion of that specifically by talking about your book cover, which I, you know, I've got with me here. And I think, you know, just to describe it to anyone who doesn't have the visual uh, in front of them, but it's this gorgeous uh red cover covered in white dots. But then the really special thing is that single yellow dot sort of amongst them, which you almost miss when you first look at the book. But I just, I think that that's such a beautiful image of the idea of a sort of individual existing within a wider framework of of other things. And, you know, I'd love to know what was behind the inspiration for that and how you see that, because, you know, for me, it's it's a really powerful image of aloneness within the context of others.
0: Oh, thank you. That's so nice. You're literally the first person to have brought up the cover in that way. So that's really nice because... It was a conversation we were having behind the scenes of what we wanted the book to portray and communicate. And yes, for me, I really wanted to show that we can feel very alone sometimes when we're very zoomed into our life and we're sort of not really seeing a perspective outside of our small house or our little speck of a life (laughs) that is happening in the world. And sometimes I just really want to zoom out and be like, wow, I'm in a community on my street or. I'm part of a network in this country, I can go anywhere in the world and meet up with someone that I've tweeted to. And I just find that really comforting to know that you are part of a global network. And I actually start the book talking about trees and how trees communicate and how they can stand so solidly on their own. But underneath the surface, their roots are connecting to like hundreds of different trees. And I see that really how we are in the world. But also It's funny because when I'm alone, I love to be feeling though that I'm part of something. So, for example, like some of my favorite hotels to stay in are ones where you can kind of see out you know, those like really kind of nice tall glass buildings, like in New York or in Amsterdam, where I'm seeing people live their life around me. And I've just moved house, but I used to live in a flat in Hackney that was like a goldfish bowl. Like I could see into other people's flats and they could see into mine. And I mean, sometimes you would draw the curtains, (laughs) but I would love seeing other people just like watching TV. And I would love the fact that I could just see in someone's house and they're like in the kitchen. And maybe that sounds weird, but I think it's this sense of I'm alone and I'm sleeping alone, but I'm surrounded by people.
1: Mm, It's funny. I mean, you know, some people might say that living in, a block of flats or, you know, living in that way is a more lonely existence. But I I completely get what you're talking about is it is, there is that sense of, I don't know, it's not voyeurism quite, but it's just a reminder that I guess there are those little yellow dots. We're all sort of living our own lives individually. and, And maybe, I don't know, maybe living in a more remote way, you wouldn't necessarily be reminded of that as visually It actually makes me think of uh, in Olivia Lang's book, The Lonely City, I think there's that there's an image of a New York tower block with those individual lights on and that idea of of people existing.
0: It makes me feel really cozy. Just this idea of being on your own, but being near people and hearing sounds and hearing the traffic outside. Or I think that's why for me, alone time is never like going into a cabin in the woods. I don't actually think I would do very well doing that. And maybe that's something I'll do in the future. But for me, it's more being alone in a city. I love, I love city breaks. I love going to places that feel familiar. And, and maybe this makes me sound like I'm not very adventurous, but I still want to feel comfortable. And it's, it's like with freelancing, people would say, are you not lonely being on your own the whole time? It's very solo. But I go to cafes and I'm surrounded by people and I can see someone's dog and I can talk to the coffee the people making the coffee like I don't see it as a lonely existence because I'm navigating through the world and I'm always around people and of course I have like my friends and family behind the scenes but I just don't ever feel alone when I'm alone
1: Mm. I think that that tree image that you spoke about before and that you know is at the very beginning of your book it's so powerful in that way because trees, you know, they stand really majestically and they do have that presence sort of in their aloneness. But then and also even I guess the roots, the idea of roots beneath the ground, they're different, different strengths. You know, you have the really, the really weighty roots, which I suppose are our, you know, friends, our family or partners, and then there's the sort of smaller ones maybe those people you do speak to in the coffee shop or, or you know, the, the dogs of the people that are in the coffee shop, which don't feel like they should be the ones that bind us and make us feel grounded. But actually, and maybe this is a narrative we had a bit more during the pandemic, they also serve to underpin that kind of comfortable aloneness.
0: Yeah, and you never know who you're impacting. That's something I really love about working alone. And, and I'm sure I would get this even if I worked more with other people but you never know who you're reaching and I just find that really amazing you know you'll just get a random message out of the blue from someone in Berlin or something who is like way older than you and has nothing in common with you and they're like oh I've just read your book or and I think we forget how connected we are and how it's almost like that butterfly effect of someone just randomly picking up their phone can discover you one day and your work and that, nev- that, that helps with me never feeling alone as well, like this work that I do.
1: Yeah, well, completely. I mean, I think I was listening to you on Women's Hour, uh, I think a couple of months ago now, and you were talking to Emma Barnett, who it, ju- it just made me chuckle. I think she described you as Miss Internet, which, you know, <laughs> and you did, you know, you, you, you have your podcast, Control Out Delete, your first book, Control Out Delete, was a memoir of growing up on the internet. You very much have been at the forefront of that. What what has this book taught you writing this about that sort of I don't know that that mixed relationship between the internet making you feel more alone and feel more connected? Because I guess it is a paradox mm. that you really examine.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think it's been interesting writing the book five years on from control alt-delete, because I wrote that book when I was in my mid-20s and I had that kind of youthful naiv- naivety of oversharing and not really caring. And I think when you're young, you don't really see into the future that much. That's how I felt anyway. I could never really imagine my older self looking back. I was just like, I'm going to do what I want. Now I feel like um, my actions have more consequences. <laughs> so I'm probably less open in that way. But I think I was really looking at how the Internet has shaped me as a person and also how, how I thought for so long that I could communicate exactly who I was online to everyone and be like, this is me. This is my, my true self. And now what I've realized into my thirties is like, no one will ever see the true you on the internet. It's actually impossible. It's so 2d and it's so, it's so much of a snippet. And even if you live streamed your whole life, which I would never do, you're still not seeing the whole picture. And so I think I'm making peace with the fact that if I misunderstood or if people feel like they, they know me but they don't or they take things the wrong way I think I'm making peace with just what the internet what the internet is which is essentially a tool to show whatever you want to show and so we're in this digital world that's not really 100% truthful and so it's really encouraged me to get offline more my friendships have never been stronger I have never felt more a sense of who I am and so I'm just trying to make peace with like this internet career that I love and also who I really am which is the person offline as well
1: mm, mm. and I, I really I really like how the message one of the key messages in your book is is not to disconnect not to detox even speaking before you you said that you're not a fan of the cabin in the woods approach to solitude it sounds like your approach is moderate which I'm all over another and I don't know if you can do a spoiler alert for a nonfiction book but I suppose spoiler alert a big part of when you say disconnected, I guess that the thing that sort of stuck in my mind is it's not necessarily just disconnected from each other that the internet can give us. It's becoming disconnected from yourself, which is the the big problem. Because as you say, you were someone that once thought that putting everything across on the internet could be done in that authentic way, but it's not, and that's what I suppose you and so many people have realised. Mm. Um, who yeah. have a big online presence. How do you get the balance now between, I don't know, remember, almost the, the time that you spend remembering who you are offline and online? And I don't know, it, how do you make sure that what you're putting across does feel authentic or does feel right to you now?
0: Well, I think the reason I wrote the book really was Talking about that, how do you get yourself back again when you've put so much of yourself online, and how do you almost remember who you are? Which sounds it sounds so dramatic, but genuinely, I kind of lost myself for a bit. I was like, what What music do I really like? What clothes do I really want to wear? What are my opinions? What do I actually think about the world? Because we are so inundated with so many opinions and the news and podcasts, which you know, it's, it's an amazing time to live in, but it can be really overwhelming. And you can get really lost in it. And especially with success. I think people can be like, I'm not successful because I'm not doing X, Y and Z. When actually, if they zoom out and they look at their life and what they've achieved, they would probably be like, wow, I've I've succeeded in what I set out to do. But we're always comparing ourselves. And so for me, it wasn't a digital detox, but it was like setting boundaries with how much I was going on my phone every day, protecting my mornings, protecting my evenings. There are there is research into digital detoxes being more anxiety-inducing because we're like going cold turkey when we don't really need to. It can actually be really relaxing going on the internet when you're doing it in a way that feels good. And so I wanted to, yeah, talk about that middle ground and also how to almost tap into the wisdom that we all have inside us because we're always reaching for other people to give us wisdom at the moment, I think. It's like I and I'm a fan of an inspirational quote but actually sometimes all I need to do is sit down and like really ask myself what the decision should be, not going on YouTube and Googling a a guru, if you know what I mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's almost, I mean, you know, I think we both know, you know, having worked in digital journalism or, you know, social media before as well. I think that it's, there's literally a search engine devoted to answering these how-to questions. I think if you know if you type in, you know, should I break up with my partner, how to break up with my partner? Like, I don't know why that's the example that springs to mind, but that's a major life decision. I've certainly done that before. And I think that actually those are things that only really you can do within your, your couple culture or your own authentic way of doing things the way that you like to behave offline. And as... I guess it's that difference between leaning into discomfort, but knowing it's okay, and expecting the internet to cure it all, because it can, or it can give you an answer, but not necessarily the right one.
0: That's it. And I think, interestingly, with the book, I do, I think I had a review a while ago, not that I read all of them, that said they really, someone really enjoyed it, but they found it quite simple. And I was like, well, I think that's a compliment because I think simple is what we need right now. I think after the last two years and the fact that we're so embedded in digital culture and we're about to go into like the metaverse or whatever is the next stage <laughs> of everything. Actually, I think that the basics is what a lot of us need at the moment. And especially if you suffer from anxiety or you 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 really are prone to feeling down in the dumps. Like I think going back to basics is everything. You know, The walks, the journaling, talking to a close friend, having water, moisturizing your face, like getting an early night. Like these are things that when we grow up, our parents, if you have good parents, tell you to do. And I think we have to sort of learn how to soothe ourselves in a world that's so busy and so stressful. And so a lot of it for me was just like, okay, I'm going to really do the basics here and just like really check in with who I am on like a really basic level and then take it from there.
3: Mm.
1: Mm, yeah I, I love that I don't know if you've had this from we were talking just before the show you've interviewed over 300 people on the podcast and so many brilliant minds and you know experts and yet people are still saying the same thing I think there's something almost quite nice where you'll interview someone with a PhD and they'll still tell you to drink water and you're <laughs> like, okay it really is that simple do
0: you know what that's so interesting you say that because I actually wonder if it is doing all those interviews and it is talking to like over 300 people who are like the most successful people on paper that that I could ever talk to and realizing that yeah there's no trapdoor into another dimension <laughs> there isn't a like code or a formula into another world this is it and it's literally as simple as that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's 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 great isn't it and and I, I think that it almost does put you in a unique position having had all those conversations. Um, and I wanted to ask as well, um, you talk um, in the book about, you know, how we're not necessarily connecting in full sentences, how often a lot of um, internet communication is quite bitty, whether that's a tweet or, you know, in- an Instagram caption or something. Being able to have those long form conversations in podcasting, which is, you know, really the cornerstone of your career I know that you've written you know multiple books at this point but you know it really is the thing that's being consistent do you think that that's helped you feel a sense of connection and maybe is that something you've come back to after almost having done it done it all across social media as well
0: yeah and I definitely felt that I was falling into a trap of endless quick validation and I think that made me feel uncomfortable which it's understandable that we would want that. It's really nice to get loads of likes on Instagram. It's really nice to put a podcast up the next day after recording it and people immediately hearing it. I do really like that, but I think I've always craved an outlet that takes a longer time, that slows me down, that I don't get validation from. Like I've been writing my new book that's taken me over two years, my next novel, and I'm, and it makes me sound like such a brat, but I'm like, I haven't had any... I haven't had any compliments or praise or, or or like any feedback really on it apart from my lovely long-suffering editor <laughs> at the moment. But it's like, I think that's healthy. I don't think we should be getting likes and comments and praise and, and criticism all day long. I think it's okay to just sit with something for a while and it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Um, so I think having long-form conversations exactly what you just said really adds a sense of of connection to my life I love it I do it first for myself and then I do it for the listeners which I don't know if that makes me selfish but I the listener should know that I've enjoyed it the most (laughs) or I've enjoyed it I've enjoyed it anyway and then now I'm going to give it to you if that makes sense
1: completely Um, yeah I mean I think that that's that's a good podcast where you can hear people having fun or having you know a great stimulating rich conversation and it's that being I almost sometimes feel like the third person in that conversation in a way which feels very connected so yeah yeah.
0: and I think it's it's really exciting that it's becoming so popular because for so long it was sort of the niche media outlet and now it's becoming more popular and I think it's what people want more than anything.
1: In part of your book do you discuss in the wake of the pandemic, working out who we are again, uh, I think the, the the subheading is what you know. Who are we now? Um, and I guess it's something similar to what you speak about, having done on a personal level, working out who you are outside of the internet. During the pandemic, we had to work out who we were outside of our I don't know our weekly fitness classes or our clothes or our parties or you know really our jobs. If they were taking place in the office, we were not really defined by them. Mm-hmm in the same way where do you think that that has an overlap with the source of aloneness that we got during lockdown that almost lack of stimulation
0: yes yes i was thinking about this so much and how yeah if you're like a foodie that can't go to a restaurant or if you're like a film geek who can't go to the cinema or you're a solo traveler and you can't travel it was such a crazy time to be stripped of our hobbies and our interests and our loves and it was really sad, wasn't it? You know, for a lot of people, for many different reasons, but to have the things you really enjoy taken away from you is a once in a lifetime, hopefully, situation where you have to really sit with yourself. Like, who am I then underneath all of these things and all of these labels and all of these little things that you would like put on a dating app? Um, Who are you without those things? And, and for me, I definitely,
2: In four weeks, the typical noon user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable
1: temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction
2: with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I went through
0: that over the last two years. I was like, OK, if, if this is happening in the world, then I'm going to lean into rediscovering who I am without all the bells and whistles and the... um. The external validations. And I guess that's why philosophy books and self-help books have been on the rise. Audio books around spirituality have been on the rise. So I like to think that a lot has has changed in this time. And a lot of people have almost embraced like a woo-woo, a <laughs> woo-woo sense of taste during this time. And, and hopefully that'll go into the future. And it could it could really help because I think I really believe that. If more people are at peace with themselves, then the world will be more at peace.
1: Yeah, there's also something you speak about where you quote the, uh, the sociologist Martha Beck and you speak about the idea of the essential self versus the social self. Could you explain a little bit more about that and perhaps what you've found your essential self to be?
0: yeah oh my time. god such a good question I'm still working on it it's a really layered quite a deep process and I feel like I'm just getting started in many ways into the next phase of my career in life which is really exciting um Martha Beck is is the most amazing person and I discovered her via Elizabeth Gilbert who really loves her and rates her and she is a life coach but she's also a sociologist who has like three degrees from Harvard and um, she was Oprah Winfrey's life coach, which is sort of the the headline on who she is. But um, yeah, she breaks it down into like your social self and your essential self. And basically your social self is, has been socialized. It's you who knows to put uh, pants on in the morning and to eat your food with a knife and fork if you're in a nice restaurant or to say the right thing to a friend when they're going through something. Your essential self is you with all of that stripped away essentially um outside of culture who are you so you might have urges or desires or you might wake up in the middle of the night and really want something but you can't you can't quite put your finger on why and that's because it's you really stripped back and that really fed into yeah the the work that I was doing actually during the pandemic is like what is my essential self what do I want to do do I want to help people do I want to be creative in a different way do I want to be more sustainable do I want to live by the sea <laughs> like it's all these really big questions of who you are without everyone telling you who you should be
3: mm.
1: and I think so often it works the other way around for people it's it's quite I don't know again it's that comes back to that idea of easy versus uncomfortable it's maybe easy to be defined by others in a world where you can Google the answer to a major life problem and almost have it, have it there. This, this sort of brings me on to another book of yours, your novel, Olive, which was wonderful in so many ways. But one of the really key things that a lot of people took out of it was that it had a protagonist, Olive, who didn't want to have children. And this wasn't because she had issues having children this wasn't because of a because she was single she'd actually actively ended a relationship because she didn't want to have children this was I suppose her realizing that essential part of herself and I know that in some way that character was also based on the decision that you've made in your own life not to have children could you talk me through a little bit about that because I know that when we first connected about this podcast we were having this conversation in light of alone month and you were saying that actually a big reason behind your decision there was because you didn't think it would, it would work in terms of how much you value being alone, which I was really intrigued by.
0: Mm. Yes, 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 yes. it all ties in. And I guess I should caveat with saying that I know plenty of mothers who do carve out alone time and and, and can be very creative. So I'd, I'd sort of push back on that um, that binary thing that some people say where it's like, oh, you can't be really creative if you have loads of kids because it's not possible or whatever. And I think Zadie Smith talks about how it is possible. But for me, <laughs> I know like deep in my bones. I don't want to have children and I've always known it and it's something that I do think is me tapping into the essential self I think motherhood is advertised at us and I think there's looking at lovely pictures of a lovely newborn baby and there's the reality of what that is which is a lifetime commitment of being in service to an individual and you are literally sacrificing and giving up a huge part of yourself and your lifestyle and From my friends who are now having children, I can see it's hard and amazing and magical, but really, really difficult and not something to be taken lightly. And I think I've always known that. I think I've always known that if I was to go into it, I think I'd have to be a hundred percent in. Because I think if you're a hundred percent all in, it's still hard. (laughs) So if you're someone like me who's not sure and then it happens, I just know it would be a bit of a disaster for me. And I think it's okay to kind of admit that and say, I just know that my life will be the way I want it to be if I have space for myself. And, you know, I think there is like these memes going around of like entitled millennial types who are like, I can't keep my plants alive. I couldn't keep a baby alive. Um, But it's beyond that. It's beyond me just wanting to look after myself and be by myself. It's, it's the fact that it's a lifestyle choice that is not for everyone.
1: Thank you for sharing that and being so honest about it. And also for, I suppose, you know, writing your book and being being the person that people can point to and say, that's an okay decision to make if it's already what they were moving towards already. It's really intriguing to me that you are able to say that you really felt it in your bones and that you were able to stay true to that and not feel skewed, especially as we've talked about, there is a lot out there on the internet. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot out there on Instagram that makes it very hard to feel, particularly as a woman, okay in that decision. Have you ever felt that you've been influenced uh, towards a different perspective? Or what's allowed you to stay so true to that sentiment?
0: Well, I wrote Olive because I didn't find it easy. I felt, I felt that I could always stick to my true feelings, but it didn't mean it was an easy thing. I've never really been persuaded or no one's ever kind of tried to sell it to me. And I've never felt really like I'm going to get it wrong. It's more that you feel quite alienated or you feel quite different. And there's moments where you think, oh God, am I going to regret this? But I think everyone would get to old age and feel like maybe my life could have been different. So I don't think that's like a unique thing to child-free women. I think you could have kids and get to 90 and be like, what if I didn't? or you could be like why what if i move to australia you know there's so many things so that doesn't bother me as much it's more it's more other people's comments and their insecurities and like projecting that onto you so they're like panicking for you which i find really interesting but also that sometimes in like a in in a lower moment i would question my like womanhood because without being a mother I think that's probably conditioning and like media and magazines projecting that at me. But you know, you have a body that goes through monthly cycles and is made in many ways to maybe do that. And so it feels like you're turning your back on something. It feels like you're saying no to something that is very, very human. And so that does make you feel a bit weird sometimes. And I think it's just grappling with feeling like like the outsider as well. So in my friendship group it's like going to be a domino effect i can feel it like people are starting to have babies and everyone's talking about them and my first friend has had one and now they're talking about group holidays with all the kids and me and my husband are just sitting there being like that's going to be fun i actually can't wait for that but there's going to be a time where we're looking at each other and thinking we're the only people in this room without kids and where are our friends like do we have to go and make some new friends not not to um not to like push those guys away, but just like, would we need some extra friends?
1: (laughs) I'm a big advocate of that. I think that uh, it sounds bad, but you know, I think that when you go through different life stages, whether that's being single, being freelance, not having kids, all of these things, I think it's lonely to not have people around you who are in the same life stage. And if that's something you've always had from your friendships, then I don't know. I, I mean, I suppose maybe this is the first time you've experienced that because you've been in a very long-term relationship and you're now married. I don't know. Do you think that there's something in having made that decision with another person and feeling safe in that, that allows you to feel, I don't know, I suppose, give you that extra layer of security that it's okay. Because in stark contrast, the protagonist in your book, Olive, uh, she breaks up with her partner they they break up because she doesn't want kids and he does
0: mm. yes i do i think it gives me a real solid ground and i also realize that me gallivanting off on a, on a solo holiday having someone who i've been with for 10 years waiting for me at home i think that's a different experience it must be i don't want to speak on behalf of people that are single and doing that because maybe that feels slightly different because you're on your own when you're away and then you're coming home again to more alone time and maybe that is really great in some ways but also challenging in others and i think it's it's true with the child free choice that i'm not alone doing it so therefore i do have the validation of two people making that decision and therefore i'm not on my own with it but it, it reminds me of Eat, Pray, Love with Elizabeth Gilbert, which is like the 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 poster book for this very topic, which is she broke her marriage off because she was 30 and realized she didn't want children and didn't want to be married anymore. And I look at her, really, she's a huge inspiration to me in her creativity, in her books, but also in her lifestyle. And sometimes I have to check myself that I'm not romanticizing it so much um, because I think I think her life looks fantastic and she lives alone. And she has loads of friends and she goes cold water swimming and she writes her books and she travels the world and she spent her whole life telling people she's not mad for choosing all these things. And um, I really, really love that. And I'm really, I feel really happy to have a sprinkling of that in my life, this freedom.
1: It's funny. A lot of why I began this podcast is because I always stand by the idea that you can't be what you can't see. And I wanted to give people other inspirational role models that they could point to and say, "It's okay that I like solitude in this way," and 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 these are all different, all different sides of it. Whether that's living alone, whether that's going on solo travel, all of those things. And I think that you know, in the same way that Elizabeth Gilbert has been so compelling for you, I think that to me, and I'm sure to a lot of listeners, you're very aspirational. To them to, to listen to you saying these things and being able to be you know a, a poster girl for those things so firstly thank you um thank you for giving oh, thank that for you Lecto.
0: well I was gonna say exactly the same to you you know carving out this podcast and this space and having the book you've given a name to something that a lot of people are really wanting to take the plunge into and I know I can tell when I'm talking to someone and their ears prick up and they're like oh you went away by yourself can you tell me more about that and then a few months later they'll be like I've just booked my first trip and I think it is just seeing the seeds of someone else do it is really inspiring.
1: I like how you put that seeing the seeds because there <laughs> is, I don't know, they always think of it as the pause. There's always the pause where you say something. I mean, generally in my experience about soloness in some sense, but you, you'll say it and then there'll be that pause. And I suppose more, if you're feeling insecure that day, or you know, if you don't just feel very connected to that other person, you might think, oh, they're judging me, they're this, they're that. Nine times out of 10 with alone month, I find that quite often you'll say it and there might be a pause and there might be, you know, as, as you sort of put it, like, you know, a few days, a few weeks absence between you seeing them and knowing what they really felt. And then, yeah, the proof of the pudding will be in that solo trip that they book.
0: It's true. I love that.
1: How does solitude function in your relationship and now marriage? Is that something that you both cultivate and value?
0: yes that's something we've always cultivated from the very first week we were together like basically my husband Paul is a photographer and graphic designer and creative person filmmaker and um, we very much see ourselves as like two individuals who are together Um, I'm kind of allergic to the whole like other half thing because I know that I'd be okay on my own and I think it's a nice feeling. Like, I don't know if that is some sort of uh, defensiveness of like, I would be fine, but I genuinely think I would be because I've always stood by myself inside the relationship. Um, we both have our own office in our house, which is, we're very lucky to have. So we're, you know, right now I'm like in my space, I'm not going to see him for a bit. Um, but also he would go on like five week long uh, trips with his photography partners. So when we first started dating, he would be off for like months at a time and I would be By myself and that would be fine now I try and keep that up so I go on I go on solo holidays quite often um I love going to New York by myself I went to California by myself in 2019 um I haven't been abroad obviously for a few years properly by myself but I've been doing solo UK trips so I went to Bath went to Brighton went to Cornwall went to Devon um you know not not like I'm not like got a backpack on my back seeing the world necessarily, but just being by myself in a new location I love.
1: I always love seeing your trips on Instagram because every time I see one, I think, wow, that's going to inspire so many people to do the same. Again, that's almost, I don't know. I think we almost have a lack of, I hate to use the word influencer, but I think we have a a lack of sort of aspirational content. Let's call it that around alone time in the same way that we might see it around couple time.
0: I got such a big reaction from, I mean, all all I did was go to Cornwall by myself, but I I posted about it. And I had so many messages being like, can you please just give me some advice on how to do this for the first time? And it was really interesting kind of sitting with myself and being like, oh, yeah, I I did this for the first time once. What would I like to have known? And it was things like don't book in too much, but have a few things booked in. Like even like I'm going to go and visit that cafe or I'm going to go and go for a walk by the beach on this day because to me I just don't want a wide open schedule of like oh my god I'm on my own and I can't make a decision and also really being really kind to yourself like that compassionate thing again of like if you're feeling a bit scared or you're feeling like your thoughts are turning negative or you're feeling a bit overwhelmed just you know really lean into it and just treat it as an experience because I think the elephant in the room and I don't know if you've spoken about this on other podcasts but the elephant in the room is that as women we can feel really unsafe sometimes and that's something I've had to work on because I don't want that to stop me doing what I want to do
1: yeah absolutely I think that's and I think there's almost around solo travel there's been that sort of media narrative when terrible things happen that almost oh well she was traveling on her own and I think it's really dark so I Mm -hmm. think it's it's I mean it's an impossible problem to sort of to solve and especially not in the realms of this podcast episode but it's certainly something worth acknowledging that that narrative that we have every time
0: yeah and it's it's about empowering yourself I would say just just to feel make all you know do the things where you feel like um people know where I am or I'm in a hotel that I trust I'm in an area Where I can navigate around I mean it's like we shouldn't have to do this stuff that's that's a really frustrating thing no one should have to have like a long list of checklist of do I feel safe but I think it's important to mention because I think a lot of people who contact me are like oh I'd love to do that but I think I'd be too scared that's like the number one thing I get is I'm too scared and that doesn't necessarily mean unsafe it just means I'm scared to be by myself I'm, I'm scared to not have anyone distracting me like I know so many people who and this is no um sort of judgment but they they their lifestyle is literally constant communication with other people or constantly around other people um workaholics who who are, who can't be alone can't be with their own thoughts and so i think for a lot of people it's um really brave to to do it and then you get used to it and then you just start loving it
1: yeah i think what i really like is you come we're coming back again to that notion of comfort that you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I guess that this, that's what you're striving for. And I don't know, again, I really, I like that. I know that the pandemic has been uh, part of why a lot more of your trips have been in the UK recently, because it's harder to go abroad, of course, but I think the idea that you can go away for one night, two nights, you know, or just have a day being a tourist in your own city it's quite nice because we can build up that comfort because it's not, you know, it's not alien to either of us you know, we're talking about solitude and how much we love it. It's probably not alien to a lot of people on this, listening to this podcast who also love it. But I guess if it, if it's, if it is something you struggle with, it's nice to think that those baby steps are still equally valid as part of this big thing that we Mm -hmm. call alone month.
3: It's
0: so true. It really is. You you don't have to even go away. You could go to your local cafe and take a book and sit with yourself for a, th- for a few hours or just have a coffee and just be by yourself. Eating by myself is something that I've had to really work on. I always used to hate that. And, and it's so ridiculous, isn't it? This idea of like everyone's looking at me. Everyone thinks I'm alone. Everyone thinks I'm pathetic. I'm like in a restaurant by myself. But it's it's a chosen act. I I love it now. I love Sitting down confidently and being like i'm going to have my delicious meal, and I'm not even going to look at my iPad or my book or my phone. I'm just going to sit here and eat it and I love that. I love that i I've seen my baby steps and how I've grown and how I'm now much more confident by myself because no one really cares, no one's looking at you, no one is looking over at you being like, Oh shall we invite her over to our table? She looks really lonely. I mean some people might do that, but um it's really fun to kind of Push that back and be like, no, no, I'm, I'm good.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And again, it's that, it's that normalising it. I think there's um a really wonderful scene in uh, my good friend Radhika Sangani's book, which I believe you endorsed. Um, Yeah,
0: oh, I love that book. Yeah, so
1: and and that's, I mean, just for anyone who hasn't um quite read it yet, it's a book called Thirty Things I Love About Myself, and one of the opening scenes involves her going to a restaurant alone and a ordering the most epic feast imaginable but you know B just really owning it in the wake of a breakup and I really I don't know I just I just love that image and she does it with so much confidence I wondered if you had any tips for how you were able to develop that confidence of owning it yourself
0: oh my god I mean I honestly think it was just doing it little by little and realizing that nothing happened, nothing bad happened. It's the same with public speaking or something. It's like I would do little things and realize that no one in the audience like threw an egg at me (laughs) and that my career (laughs) didn't burn to the ground the next day. So I think it's just the more you do it, the more comfortable you are with it. Um, Just have those like cozy things in your back pocket that you love. Like I always pack my slippers and I always pack like my coziest pajamas. and I always have podcasts lined up that really make me feel relaxed um one of my favorite podcasts is the bewildered podcast which is Martha Beck and her partner and you know like with the high low back in the day it's like two people chatting is my favorite thing to listen to when I'm away because it's just background noise and really comforting um so I, I would bring like home comforts with you and 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 that helps but really seeing it as a treat and seeing it as like a luxury and seeing it as a special occasion and even if you are just going to the cafe down the road, like order something really nice for yourself. I think it all ties into that self-care thing. Um, and it's okay because, you know, when I first read Cheryl Strade's Wild, you know, and she um, hikes the Pacific Trail and she's grieving and she's in pain. And and I suppose I look at that and think, wow, that was a woman who needed to be in extreme circumstances to overcome something. Like that is the most inspirational memoir I've ever read but I'm not really talking about needing to do that or find myself or push myself. Like I, I'm all about sort of almost leaning into your comforts. And and I don't know if someone listening might be like, that sounds, I don't know. I, I don't think it is a bad thing. I, I just think I'm not trying to push myself. I'm trying to do the opposite when I'm alone.
1: Mm, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, really love that. And I think it, I I also roll my eyes at the what what I think can be a bit of a masculine notion of going away and being in a cabin in the woods or you know you're punishing yourself in order to find yourself. It's really comforting to think that you can also find yourself wearing your favorite cozy slippers in a hotel room for a night.
0: Yeah, or on like a really long walk, and you're listening to your favorite songs like I, I also don't think you have to spend money on this stuff being alone which shouldn't have to be about an expensive hotel I think it's comfort in in sort of in ways that go beyond like a fluffy robe it's like yeah just things that mean a lot to you and and I I really really value that and and actually I, I know this that's going to make me sound a bit crazy but I remember leaving Bath I had a really nice time I went to the cinema on my own there's like a tiny little cinema in Bath and I went to see a film and I cried loads and I loved doing that in cinema by myself and um I walked home and then on the way home like on the train I literally like said to myself like that I had a really nice time (laughs) like as in I was almost like that was fun yeah me and me and you to myself um so it's like you can have an amazing experience by yourself. But you don't have to share it. And and I think popular culture makes us feel like if you see a sunset, you have to be holding someone's hand to look at the sunset. No, I think it could be even more powerful to watch it by yourself.
1: I completely agree. I mean, I think that holding someone's hand while watching a sunset is two competing forms of stimulation, I think. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, it's like, get off me. <laughs> <sighs> And finally, I think we've spoken about so many wonderful examples of this during this episode, but the question I ask every guest, what's your ultimate alonement?
0: My ultimate alonement, I think is that feeling of being on my own and needing to, needing to find a solution to a creative problem. So when I was working on a book recently, I, I was really stuck and I took myself to Cornwall and I went for some walks on the beach and I was by myself. And, I, and, it, and it was a light bulb moment of like, ah, we have got it. And just needed to be by myself for a bit. So, yeah, for me, it's like breakthroughs um, that I would only only get if I was on my own.
1: Oh, I think I can just all the creatives listening to this have their ears breaking up. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Emma, thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. And I am so honored to have spoken to you today.
0: Oh, thank you so much for your wonderful questions. And I love talking about this topic. And um, yeah, it can really change your life, I think, when you get comfortable with, with being alone. So thanks for having me.
1: Well, that conversation flowed like water, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and got some practical tips for something that we virtually all struggle with, let's face it, navigating the minefield that is the internet and social media. I will be, fingers crossed, blissfully disconnected when this episode first comes out, as I'll be travelling in Colombia. However, I'll be back over the next fortnight with two special mini episodes coming out from the first ever live recording of Alone Month. Until then, do keep connected with me via social media and email. I always love to hear from you.